0: Welcome to Plan K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it.
1: Yeah, this week we watched episodes 11 and 12 of Love in Contract. I got it. I got that.
0: <laughs> we said Lovely Horribly five minutes ago in the pre-ramble. <laughs> I genuinely would never have come up with the the name of this show. Um I wish we had watched this four episodes at a time. I think I would have liked it better. Yeah.
1: I feel like okay, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's bad because there are good parts. No. Um it's just that I do ugh, this sounds like the meanest thing I've ever said and I don't mean it to be the meanest thing I I've ever said. I'm just kind of like done with this show. Like
0: Whoa. Or
1: I like no no I'm not done with this show. Oh shit,
0: I don't know how to put it and I'm, I'm <laughs> What I mean really- is I haven't watched the episodes That's what I mean
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really fucking this up I'm doing such a bad job Because uh, then my next thought is to uh, Say something like I wish we were done with this show
0: Oh, see, I'm the opposite I finally like it That's why I yeah. wish we'd watched it faster Because these two episodes They hit the mark for me I was in it, I'm fully invested now There's certain parts that I really
1: liked, and then there were certain parts that I felt were really repetitive. Like, how often are we going to go back and forth on what the plan is to handle the outing of the information, and how many different plans by different people are going to be going on about the same thing. Um, And some of them would have could be great allies. For example, Jung Ji-ho and his, (laughs) his girl, Choi Song un if they just made a plan together instead of making plans separately on how they're going to handle things. That would be cool, but instead, she's got a plan, he's got a plan. She's actually got a different plan. She's had about two or three different plans in the course of, like, two episodes. And then, obviously, uh, Yumi Ho has two or three plans cooking at all points in time. And then uh, Kong Hae Jin has... A plan he'd like to go with, and then the plan he's kind of being forced into. And then uh, the attorney, Shoot, her name is also... Uh, it's Jung Ji-un. She has a couple of plans. Um, most of them have nothing to do with anyone's plans. Uh, but also, like, I can't tell if she's going to... It's weird because she has all of the makings of a bad guy, but also... I feel like they're just kind of making her out to be kind of a gray, like a morally gray character, but not even the kind I like. Not even the kind where I'm like, I do love a morally gray character, but more like the, come on, commit, lady, like commit to a course of action.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel like that she has all the makings of a villain, but none of the gumption. Where you're like, just do something evil, so we can hate you. Mm-hmm. But they really, uh She's one of the most frustrating ones because, like you said, it seems like they're undecided on what they want her to be. Where she'll be like, I actually do a lot of pro bono work for children in need. And you're like, okay, okay. Well, I guess that's a really good thing. And then they'll immediately follow it up with a montage of her being a pretty terrible wife. Like, not even, not even bad enough that you're like, objectively, you're terrible and I hate you. Because even in the flashback of her being like, I just really want to get ahead in my career, and I wish you'd support me in that, and her husband being like, well, I wish you'd spend more time with me. It's like, both of those are fair. I don't know how to balance that. That's really tough. There's also this, like, scandal where everyone's like, she's sleeping her way up the ladder, and her husband's like, I know that she's not, but I don't know how to protect her from from that. I don't know how to be there for her without, like, just beating up all her co-workers and being like, that's rude, I'm her husband, she's not sleeping her way up the ladder. Like, it's all of these things, it's too many things Yeah, for this character we don't care about. Yeah, she
1: can't even commit to being a bad guy in the past, she's just, like, a not-good partner. She's just, like, yeah. an absent wife where it's like, ugh,
0: gross, whatever, just go, and then I guess there was this fall from Grace that we never saw. It's just being like explained to us, which I kind of like. I like as a storytelling thing, not explaining what, when, when her career fell. Cause she just talks about like, this is my comeback. This is my turnaround. I'm going to make it back up. And she, whenever she talks to Jung Ji Ho, she's like, I know I ruined both of our lives. I ruined my career and. Your career and I got us here, and she's like, we're at an all-time low, and he's like, I am not at an all-time low. Uh, thank you, but <laughs> no. But the way that's she talks about it you is very, like. Somewhere along the way, she fell from grace, and that's fine. Again, it's just confusing, and I don't really care. Okay, guys, mm-hmm. I don't care about her. Yeah, but make
1: her relevant or get her out of here.
0: Yeah. But then in the other corner, we've got Yumi Ho, who I think they've finally figured out what kind of villain they want her to be. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was good. Because she's been so wishy washy, this whole drama, with like, she started out as just someone who got money, but we don't know if she was spending the money. And then she'd also be like, whenever I run out of money, I'm just going to unalive myself. And then she goes to prison. It's like, a mess at the beginning. But now she's a very focused, like, I was not good to Jamie. And I know how to make it up to her. I've decided that I think of her as a daughter. And I want to make up for all the wrongs that I've done to her. And so I'm going to get her married to a man who loves her completely. And it also still serves the purpose that like she was raised for. And I'm going to make this all right. And it's like messed up, but you can see her thinking. And I think that's so clever to be like, she's wrong, but she thinks she's right. Yeah.
1: Like she genuinely, this is out of her being really terrible at being a, a person, but she is trying to be a person. It's just that she can't because she doesn't know how, but look at how hard she's trying. And it's like, Oh, and then all of a sudden, it's like no psych. She's still really selfish. She's still completely focused on her benefit in the situation.
0: Yeah, but I yeah I liked her a lot better in these episodes. She seemed to make a lot more sense. And mm-hmm. I guess then we get the car crash at the end of episode twelve. So now she's gone, and that's even better.
1: Uh, yeah, or she's not. I don't know. Maybe Jihos. Mm-hmm. Gone. Maybe Jung Ji Ho dies yeah. in that car crash. I was so
0: mad though. I will never forgive this show if they're can like, can you just dies.
1: That would be the most wild turn, wild and unexpected turn that a K drama could take. Because I, I just never have seen, right? Because we've seen like a main character die, and we've even seen them die this early, right? Um, For one reason or another, but usually that's like a a high fantasy K-drama, where probably they're going to come back at some point. And the stakes are high for their own reasons, but not necessarily for the reasons of, and then this character will stay dead. But can you imagine if in episode 13 of 16, they just (laughs) said, and that was it for Jung Ji-ho. And how weird and incomplete that whole section of the story would feel. Like, the whole main male lead section of the story would feel completely cheated. It would... Anyway, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, I've i completely digressed. That would be kind of funny, though. A little bit wild. No, a lot wild. A little bit funny. Completely inappropriate.
0: <laughs> Not okay. Please don't do that. Okay. <laughs> K-drama gods, if you are listening, please do not do that. It doesn't make any sense. We wouldn't be happy.
1: No, don't do this to us.
0: It's, it was a slow burn. This whole K-drama has been such a slow burn, and we finally got the leads together, which I think is a lot of what prompted my feelings to turn around, is being like, I like a drama where the two leads are together, they're in love. They're like, we can do anything as long as we're together. And then the drama happens all around them. And no matter what happens, these two leads are like, it's fine. We're going to be okay because we have each other. Like, that is perfect to me. That is K-drama perfection. And that's what they've started doing. It really has dampened the tension around all of the million little plot lines that are swimming around in this drama to have the two leads finally be together and be like, they're okay. So everything will be okay. So whatever else we do is going to be wild and wacky, just like the rest of this drama has been. We're not going to change that, but you don't worry as much. Cause you've got the love. I'm like, okay, I'm in. in. It's like watching the shore burning while you're on your little ship. You're like, (laughs) I'm on the ship. Jung Ji Ho and Chae Song Un are here. They're paddling. We're good, cause we're, we're good, cause they're in love, and we're on our ship, and we're way far from shore, so it's fine that everything on shore is burning. Yeah, yeah, the shore can be
1: burning. I was speaking of the shore burning and the dumpster fire that is the the stalker, who we figured out oh the stalker God. is.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> How did I forget? That's such a big thing.
1: Yeah, I. I don't even, here's the thing, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but what I do know is that I was pretty bummed with how his sister's storyline went. I know that they needed a catalyst for the person who spills the beans on her career. I guess I'm just bummed that it was the sister of, like, this person that she knows her brother's completely unstable and that he is falling apart and she still is blaming other people for that, that's pretty rough. And I guess there's just a part of me where I wanted... I wanted Choi Sung to level with her and be like, here's why I'm not just letting this go. I am scared. You don't understand how scary it is. You don't think your brother can do harm. But he has held a knife to me. So you think... Then it's just me making a big deal out of your brother holding a candle for me. That candle is not a candle. The shore is on fire. The whole <laughs> shore is on fire. <laughs> it is incredibly dangerous. And that is why I'm not – I guess I just wanted her to level with her because the sister seemed like a good person – until the K- until K-drama world made her into a really bad person who enables dangerous behavior and blames victims. And that sucks.
0: Yeah. And it was just for the sake of adding drama to the drama, which, yeah, maybe I didn't catch. Like, I completely agree with what you said. I don't think I would have realized it on my own because the drama... Did such a good job of leading you to that and being like, there's just so much added to this fire that's happening. Like, we had the cliffhanger at the end of episode 10, that's the reveal, the face reveal, and you and I were like, that's a quick and easy solve. And I really liked that the K drama was like, it's not a quick and easy solve because then her past starts to come out, then the The people in her life start to get affected then and it's like this way bigger thing this that snowballs before anybody can stop it and I really liked that and they kind of just tied the stalker into that snowball mm-hmm. without letting you take a chance to breathe and kind of separate it because it's just been such a background storyline this whole drama that like She was almost murdered once and then we kind of forgot about it and we kind of laughed it off a lot. We laughed about it. And we decided it was just one of
1: Kong Heijin's stalkers. It wasn't like her, her. It was like... I thought that was was clever. I thought that was a good twist. Yeah, that they brought it back where originally they were like, it's probably one of your ex-husbands and then it they were like, "No, it's probably one of Kong Hae Jin's many stalkers, obviously." And then they turned around one more time, one more again, and said, "No, it was one of her ex-husbands." Was,
0: but and then they turned around again, 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 and was like, "It wasn't one of the mean ones, though, because you had two two images in your mind. I know which which ex-husbands it was. There are two that it could have been." And they were like, "No." It's this one. Ooh. It's the one that you
1: kind of liked, and she kind of liked. Like, she felt for him. She felt really bad for him. She, he was one of the ones she she took on as a client because he was in a really tight spot. And he, she continued helping him out,
0: even <gasps> after he wasn't a client. Can I also... Okay, this is a terrible time to interject this, but I did cry in these episodes when Wu Guangnam told Jung Ji-ho that he hired Chae Sung-un for only $70. I don't know what that triggered within me, but I just started bawling. I was like, I've been so mean to Chae sung In and being like, she needs to change. She needs to become a better person. And she's just been this, like, I don't think she's perfect. This drama has told me way too many times that she's perfect. And I... I'm tired of it, and I don't think she's that great a friend to Wu Gong-nam, but I just think that moment helped me realize why he loves her so much. Yeah. And that, like, she, she can see what we couldn't see.
1: Yeah, she's not consistently a good friend, but she's done him one of the biggest solids of his life. I want her to be consistently a good friend. Like, I don't think that gives you a pass, Choi sung Like, you don't get to just not be cool to wu guang nam and leave him alone with your really crazy nanny mom all the time
0: all the time like he's crying on her bed about how upset he is over her mom and she's like i actually don't have time for this i'm gonna leave you two alone again yeah girl uh, what <laughs> stop doing that um. yeah Sorry, that was a terrible time for a sidebar. But yes, the stalker was the nice husband. And I felt like all of that was pretty clean, pretty well done, until the sister was also part of it and got turned. And then it took Jung Ji-yoon to come in and be like, whoa, this is a lot darker than I thought. Chae song yoon is in real danger here. And then she goes and pays off the sister and is like, buy some therapy with this. And uh, that's just kind of it. That's the end of the storyline. It's like, you almost had it. And then you didn't quite stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't quite
1: stick the landing. And then that's how everyone, yeah. I guess I just wish that there was a cleaner way that that all got even more messy and revealed what she does for a living. That's pretty tough. I don't know. I guess I just, it's annoying that the real bad guy in that situation is no longer the stalker also, right? It's like, I feel like his sister doing that and revealing her identity is supposed to, it feels like, and maybe I'm wrong. And maybe they were like, no, it's not the Pain Olympics. Both things can be bad. But what it feels like is now we are not focused on... The fact that this stalker has been following her, threatening her life, taking her picture, invading her privacy, has a creepy Hey Arnold shrine to her in his <laughs> room. Um, that like That is all connected to how her identity gets revealed. And it's because of his sister. Where I'm like, I just think that you're raising the stakes on the wrong thing. I think that... And I think that we're making the bad guy out of the wrong people. Or rather, like, again, two things can be true at the same time. It's not, you know, the who's the worst person Olympics, I guess. It's not even the pain Olympics at this point. It's like, which villain is the most villain. And I know that it's not that. I just feel like the framing of it kind of feels like maybe that all led to her identity getting revealed. And I could be wrong, and the next couple of episodes could prove me wrong, where the big bad really is the stalker, but it's a lot to have all of these storylines going at once and expect us to be, I don't know, it's a lot to have that reframed, where it's like, the real problem here is, is her identity getting revealed, where I'm like, no, pretty much everything changes when there's someone who... um is rapidly escalating their behavior and has threatened her life before.
0: And, and seems to feel very possessive of her, yeah. and that's never resolved. It's just like, no, we told him to stay away, and yeah. he probably will. And it's like, oh, I don't know. He seems, to- like you said, he's escalating. He's mm-hmm. getting more and more intrusive and uh, dangerous.
1: This is the second time you haven't treated this like the main problem, when it feels like it is. This is the yeah. second time when the main problem has been literally anything other than the escalating murder behavior.
0: <laughs> so. but, yeah, that feels so par for the course, maybe because they've done exactly that before, but it feels like... Par for the course to just get really messy with the storylines. And now, like, the sister is just another in the pile of villains that this show is throwing in, where it's like, maybe, maybe it's personal preference, but I love the focus being on one villain. I am super in love with that final scene where Jung Ji Ho is like, I'm going to face off with Yumi Ho, I'm going to take her down so that she stops messing with cha song un once and for all and that that tie is broken between them like that seems like something he's so capable of and i love it i love that he's going to do it the legal way not just like take her out with with a paid hitman like ina group i assume hired the car to do but like it's going to be good. I'm excited for that. That was such a good face off because it felt like they were building up to Yumiho being the final villain where jung Jian keeps trying to be a villain but she keeps being wishy-washy and we don't we don't care about her. We're not invested. Ew. But then yeah, to be like between Yumiho and a stalker who's tried to murder Cha song yun Who's the bigger threat? And the show constantly being like, it's Yumi Ho. It's Yumi Ho, for sure. It's like, no, she's not trying to actively murder
1: Song-in. <laughs> yeah. She's inconvenient at best. Like, she's meddling and rude and problematic and completely inappropriate. But I, I'm still camp stalkers, the biggest problem, and... I will say, Jung Ji-ho did try to legally resolve that as well really early on, and for whatever reason, we're just expected to believe that he dropped it when he found out it was the stalker of Kong Hae-jin who immediately submitted a contract with Choi sung Un like, three days later. Where I'm like, why would you drop it if you're worried about her? And I don't know. I guess there's just, like, a lot of um i man i feel like i'm kind of making a mess of this but i guess what i'm trying to say is that there's a lot of discrepancies with the storyline or there's a lot of like breaks where i i just think that realistically there wouldn't be right where it's like i agree that it's really cool that he's going the legal route with yumi ho that because he's playing in his skill set legal route he can do and I love that he's framing it as a child abuse case, because that's what it was. You,
0: I know, that guy's being like, like, well, she never hit her, so it's not really child abuse.
1: Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, have you heard of grooming, you
0: psychopath? <laughs> you know no idea. Okay, I'm going to win this case. This will be an easy one. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Jung Ji-ho's like, all right, so um, good to know, good to know <laughs> that there's people like you on the opposing team. Great. That works very well in my favor. You dumb piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, it's like, he tried to go the legal route to solve problems in the past as well. And then when the storyline decided that that wasn't where we were going to focus, it just got dropped. And I think that's the problem with uh, creating all these villains and all these storylines. And the way they've had it all play out. Where looking back... I'm of the opinion that if we're like writing Ji-ho I, – I know that I didn't write him. I will put this disclaimer here. I didn't write Jung Ji-ho. But I feel like as a viewer, knowing what I do about the way Jung Ji-ho was written, wh- who this character is, it feels buck wild that he just dropped that when when he got distracted by his feelings for her, I guess. Where I'm like, he doesn't seem like, even, it feels like he's the type to, the more his feelings developed, the more he would be like, what can I do in my skill set to fix something that is still a problem that no one else is thinking about? Just because we found out it was Kong Hei Jin's stalker, even though we didn't find that out. But we're pretty
0: sure it's Kong Hei Jin's stalker, but to your point, like, yeah, I feel like... When they have audience members who are simpletons like me, it's easy to be like, we're going to brush out under the rug. Nobody's going to think about it. <laughs> but when they have big brains like you, people with wrinkles on their brains, <laughs> it does make so much more sense to be like, the stalker is literally <laughs> still outside every single day. If Jung Ji-ho had ever thought, like, I want to know if this person is still around, skulking in the bushes it seems like he's literally right across the street every single day jungji-ho could have gotten a camera of his own and put it in his own window he wouldn't even have to leave his apartment to be like yeah. i can see the stalker from my window whenever chaiseung-un is in my building whenever yeah. <laughs> so like whenever she has dates with Hae jin why don't you spend your time looking out the window? Like, like that's—it's not the storyline I want for him because it feels a little bit sad. But, <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> but I love him. I feel like they could have made it cool. They could have been like, it's a really romantic and cool and a little bit unhinged, but mostly he just wants to protect this woman. And this is a big thing he can do is catch the stalker who tried to murder her.
1: Yeah. And he was weird about it before, where he just kind of started pulling that thread before he even knew that he had feelings. And her feelings she kinda knew about, but she was trying to break the contact so she or the contract so that she could GTFO. And so it it was pretty early on when he was obsessed with it. Why wouldn't he become more obsessed with it? As the stakes were raised, and it's like, she's not out of danger. She's spending more time with Kong Hae Jin, the man who's being stalked. So, like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much of this that doesn't make sense. Because now thinking back on it, what about the alimony thing? Where Kong Hae Jin was like, You can't date her with the money you got from your ex-wife. And I thought that was going to be a thing that was ever brought up later so that it maybe made a little more sense. I understood it as a sentence. I didn't really understand it in terms of what was going on. And they were just like, it's fine. You don't need to. We're never going to bring it up again. (laughs) Don't even think about it. I mean,
1: technically, Jung Ji Eun did bring it up briefly where she was like mad because she found out that's what he spent the alimony on on the dinners that she was supposed to have with him. But all of a sudden he was paying someone else to have... Because didn't she say something about how they used to have Monday, Wednesday, Friday dinners or something?
0: Was um, that when she was talking to Kang Hae Jin? The, like, yeah. prompt for his outburst at Jung Ji Ho? But then I thought Jung Ji Ho would bring it up with Che Sung Un, or Kang Hae Jin would tell oh, Che yeah. Sung Un. It's like, no, no.
1: Probably not. If it does come up, it will come up when there's something way more important going on, but it will cause a fight. (laughs) It will cause a fight, and we will be furious, because she will be, like, in the middle of getting stabbed. (laughs) She'll she'll be fighting off the attacker with her taekwondo. I'm pretty sure, is that what she- no, is it Taekwondo that she I does? Remember. I can't remember. I can't remember Felix from
0: Stray Kids knows Taekwondo, but I don't oh, remember cool. what she sang in. <laughs> yeah,
1: I also don't remember what Wu Guang-nam
0: does. Because he I used to he be an instructor of taekwondo. taekwondo. Oh, God. Shit. Now I well, don't know any martial arts. Here we are.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think he knows Taekwondo. I do know other martial arts, but the one I think has a lot of... Well, I think the one that has the most kicks is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I don't think that's what he does. I think he does Taikon. I don't think them. so either. And then Judo is like a lot of like on the floor. It's almost, it's like wrestling adjacent.
0: Yeah, um, it's almost entirely floor work.
1: Yeah. And, and then flipping people. Uh, from there, there's like a, a couple that I know it's not, like I know it's not Akito- and it's I not karate,
0: because I have a yellow belt in karate, I'm pretty good hell at yeah. it, and I think I would recognize it. Hell yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the only one who would give me a hell yeah for that. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> did you know when we were little, your husband did karate too? I used to, oh, I remember yeah. going like with his mom to pick him up one time, or something. <laughs> I just remember I was there, and he, and his, uh next younger brother and maybe also his older brother were also there
0: yeah there's a picture in their guest room that's all three of them in their I'm little sorry. karate keys i just
1: remember going to pick them up and then it was really cool that they were doing karate and then i just never followed up on doing it My i should have asked my parents if i could do karate but i love that you also do karate or did i, as a child. I
0: did in college uh, oh in college uh, when old, did it. yeah <laughs>
1: I, I've been thinking... No, not shamefully. I feel like anyone can get into martial arts at any time, and I have to believe that, because my boyfriend wants to do Aikido, and I just want to do some kind of martial arts, and Aikido seems pretty cool. So now I want to do Aikido, and there's a dojo that... Sorry, there is a dog. He's barking while I'm talking. It's not... We're not going to be able to edit it out. Um, we'll just acknowledge it and then breeze past it. He's going to keep <laughs> going. Um... There's an an Aikido dojo like in our neighborhood. We could walk there that has beginner classes that we might it, they did not say what age group. They didn't say what age group. We might be doing it with some kiddos and it, I have to I have to believe that I can start at any age or I simply will never do it.
0: Yeah. I you might be in a class full of 6-year-olds and I think that's fine. I think yeah. that's just going to be the vibe. It's me and Craig. And, like, four (laughs) six-year-olds. Yeah! Oh, that'd be so cool. (laughs) Hell yeah. Do it. I don't know what Aikido is. It's a lot
1: of, like, using the other person's momentum against them. Like, it's a lot of, like, throws and stuff, but not, like, heavy throws. More like, um, like, tripping and, like, kind of, like, leg locks and stuff to take people down, or, like, use their momentum to get them to move past you. Did you and I take that
0: self-defense class together? I feel like we did something like that. I feel like we did. That sounds really similar. Like, you've got to use somebody else's weight against them in women's self-defense.
1: Yeah. I have heard that you shouldn't use Aikido as the only form of martial arts if you're learning it as self-defense, because it's not super good, like, once you're already, you know, in a bad, sit, like, say, they've already got you locked down, then it's not uh, great for um, maybe getting out of the situation. It's more good for, like, when you see them coming kind of idea. Quick trigger warning, we got carried away. There is some really... It's not that we talk about... We do talk... We reference assault. And we also reference some information that happened to us that overall we're taking with the humor we must to deal with some harsh realities. Everyone is okay in this particular situation. but if if like mentions of assault is triggering for you in any way, you can just skip ahead to uh, we'll we'll have this timestamps in the notes of the show, and you can skip ahead to that where we stop talking about this.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're American, so I feel like maybe you know the basics of women's self-defense is like, get nasty, street fight. Yeah. Put your thumb so deep into their eyeball that they will never see again. It's like... Hit them at an angle
1: that you push the cartilage of their nose into their brain and kill them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's women's (laughs) self-defense. Okay, so if if Aikido doesn't get you out of it then switch to street fighting and you'll be fine. I just
1: had a recovered memory of us. We absolutely did take that self-defense class together. And then I was trying to tell one of our friends about it. Um, I don't want to like give too much information because they did something real mean and dirty where I was trying to tell them like, yeah, um, this is how we would get out of a hold or whatever. And we learned this and They were just, like, really convinced that what we learned wasn't actually going to help us in any way if someone actually wanted to hurt us. And they, like, did a grip on my arms that I tried to break and I couldn't. And so not only did that, like, make me really sad, but it also made me, like, long-term, like, it hurt. So I also got physically damaged. Like, it bruised my arms really bad. And then also there was that, like, losing the feeling of safety in my life, you know, like trust broken, just like with society where it's like, great. Not only was my self-defense, like it was useless because I, I do feel like, um, not all men are going to attack me, but does feel like, It's pretty unsafe to be a female, and you made sure that I felt like there was nothing I could do about it, so thank you for that, friend. That little
0: veil of safety that we got from our little self-defense class was uh, quickly torn down by someone we loved and trusted.
1: Yeah, just because they wanted to be sure that we didn't have that veil of safety that we knew that we weren't safe. (laughs) That's so psychologically damaging. (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, no. I'm like sad about it all over again, so I just have to laugh. Oh, because it's mean. It's not yeah. okay to do that. We are we as women are barely hanging on by a thread. <laughs> if you are someone that we trust, your job is not to be like. I need you to know that I could overpower you at any moment. Yeah. That's not the vibe. Yep, that is absolutely what they did, though. <laughs> yep, they ensured that. Which, oh, God. Yeah, that's awful. Because, yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing, because even after I said, like, you, just, you could win between Aikido and your street fighting skills. You could win. It's like, mm, there could be a, a victim listening to this podcast who's like, I didn't. I didn't win. And yeah. that sucks. But uh, as you exemplified, it is a very thin veil that we have that says, like, I took a self-defense class once, so I'm safe. But I need to hold on to that veil like a freaking safety blanket. Okay? Nobody take it from me. (laughs) You can't have it. You can't have it. I need to think I'm safe. So cool, we yeah. Should,
1: um, <laughs> we should probably put a trigger warning in the notes of this episode, and maybe, yep. like,
0: a little... A little timestamp. Okay, we'll stop talking about that now. And, uh, I want to I wanna end on a good note. So, should we just talk about Wu Nam? Because he's amazing. This show is still a coward for not giving us... Any any romantic storyline, he literally calls the manager ugly. He's like, that dude was born ugly, but he's got a good yeah. personality. I
1: think what he meant because he did the same thing in the last couple episodes, right? Where he was like, you're ugly, but not your face, but the way you treat people sometimes, uh, which is still pretty rough. But I think I think we all know that the manager is a cutie. Like he's yeah. he's an attractive person. Um, so I would hope that he's referencing the way he is mean sometimes and not the way that he looks. Because if it's the way he looks, then it is one point against Guangnam, Nam. So one million in his favor, one
0: against him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably not what he meant. So zero against him. He's perfect. Um, it was just surprising to see that translation. But yeah, I just... Like, we said before the podcast, we were like, we're the real cowards because we've never uh, reviewed a BL drama. We've watched them on our own, but we've never done one for the podcast, and that's on us. But I did think this drama was going to like try and change society. By being like, it's not a BL drama, it's a heterosexual drama, just like you guys like, right? Here's your characters, and then in the background, we're going to sneak in the best gay lead you've ever seen in your goddang life. And he has one of the most memorable, beautiful, purest romances you've ever watched. And oh no, does that mean you like BL romances? It's like, yes, I wanted that. Yep. I wanted that for this drama. I we wanted it to change society through a little secret background romance.
1: We needed it to generate more demand for more streamlined, A-class, boy love K-dramas. And it so far is letting us down. I I am holding out hope, but with each passing episode, they're losing time. They're robbing us of the time that they could be spending on creating this romance so, I guess where I'm at is um is uh hope is frail, but it's warm <laughs> and ever
0: present <laughs> I have no hope i I had very little at the beginning when they introduced the manager and having some starry eyes for Wu Gong Nam, and it disappeared very quickly with each passing episode. It seems more hopeless ha <laughs> ha. Cowards. 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 Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Wu Nam's
1: all of his scenes, as usual, were 100% perfection because he was in them. Especially the one <laughs> where he reaches out to Jiho, which we've also already talked about a little bit. But it's, it was probably my favorite scene in this whole
0: Q drama so far. Because <laughs> I think you said there are so many people having so many plots. And it's just wonderful. That he is involved in all of them. Like, I love that he now works for Kong Hae Jin, and his best friend is dating Jung Ji Ho. So he was like, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to hang out with you today. Like, (laughs) I love that he's the point of connection for everybody within the drama. Yes. Choi Sung-un. It's Gong Nam.
1: And Choi Sung-un, I also, I think I didn't realize how much she respected his privacy in that she actually didn't reveal that he's not interested in women and is in fact interested in men to Ji Jung Ho. She just kind of said, don't worry about it, bro. And in my mind, I was like, maybe it was implied. So maybe Ji Jung Ho or Jung Ji Ho knows. And then Jung Ji Ho clearly didn't. And that was such a pleasant surprise in a really special way where it gives Guang Nam his own control and agency over who he comes out to and where and when like she never took that away from him even in someone who he may or may not have ever met
0: yeah that was even a point like 10 million points in kong hae jin's favor when he introduces wu guang nam to the manager and he Mm -hmm. pops his head back in and he's like do you want me to share what you shared with me and he yes. just has that little check-in where he's like, I know you wanted to be open in the workplace, but I don't want to, like, you can change your mind at any moment. Have yeah. you changed your mind or do you want me to tell him? Like, oh. That was a safe space. That
1: was really, really good. I That is a point in the whole K-dramas uh, corner because not only was that one of the best things that Kong Hei Jin has ever done, but also it was... Um, this show is really proving, like, how to treat that particular aspect of the LGBTQ community and what they experience, and how we live in a society where it's not always safe for them to come out. Uh, which is sh- shit. That's also one million points against society. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's why it's important that they get control over that information because it needs to be something that they choose when and if they feel safe, and um, it, it shouldn't be taken away from them at any time. Yeet. Good job. Good job this show. We've talked a lot of mad shit, but that's really good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did one thing not consistently well, but very well when you do it very well. Yeah. You do a good job when you do a good job, yep. and we love to see it. And we'll acknowledge it, and we'll hand it to you. We love to see it. Yeah, you're doing a good job. We just always want more. We're very yeah. needy people. <laughs> I'm sick of giving people
1: the benefit of the doubt because, like, of the time that we live in or the time that they live in, right? Where I'm like, I'm a little bit over being like, it was okay to be racist if it was the 50s. It's like, no, it was always bad. It was always bad in the 1800s and the 1700s and the 1600s. Like, it, it's always been bad. It's just that. It's been more socially acceptable, and I'm sick of giving people a pass. So, we'll also say it's always been bad to be homophobic, and it's always been bad to be against... Uh, shit, I'm... I've taken the microphone. I'm not the <laughs> editor, so...
0: <I'm> putting <laughs> I a lot, edit this all out? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm forcing you down this path with me, but it's always been bad to be against trans rights. That's rough. I'm gonna say it now, and I'm gonna say it loud, and, uh... We're not going to play the, well, it wasn't, it, it was a different time game because I'm sick of doing, I'm sick of handing that to people. I'm sick of handing that it was a different time pass card. And so we will still hold it to super high standards where it's missing the mark, but we will hand it to the show when it's doing a good job
0: yeah and my my version of missing the mark is being not giving him not giving Wu Gong Nam a romance, yeah but that feels less like missing the mark, and more like my secret expectations of every romance is that every single character falls in love, okay mm-hmm. and that's that's wrong with me. <laughs> I know that that I am broken, and i not every person in every drama needs to fall in love with somebody yeah. else, but I would love.
1: Because Wu Guang Nam, maybe that's what he wants. And if it's not what he wants, I want them to tell me to my face. I want him to tell me to my face that that he's not ready to fall in love. But otherwise, I'm going to assume that he's about to have an epic romance with this manager. And it's going to be beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And it better be in the next episode. It better be in the (laughs) They better give us three whole solid episodes of romance. Four. Three? Four. Four whole solid episodes of the romance between, let's say three point
0: five. We have four episodes left, so Wait, I want we'll give half an episode to the manager to realize that he is gay. That's plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it is the romance.
1: Okay, so yep, it's the expectation. We have high expectations, but they're not unmeetable. They're not. They're not unrealistic.
0: Okay. <laughs> Oh, that was that was a really good little grab the mic. I loved that. <laughs> Thank you. You're a good speaker. Thanks. I hope that
1: it's my job someday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it will be. Just um uh, everyone go to our Patreon and give us money. It's patreon.com slash play K. <laughs> yeah. That was cool, right? Uh, if you do
1: subscribe to our Patreon, uh, at one of the levels, I believe it's the $5 level, you get access. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't personally checked the Patreon in a while. You get access to our pre-show chats, which yeah. will make this show like a whopping hour and 15 minutes, this episode <laughs> alone. Um, and, uh, lately we've been discussing the show Peak Time that's on Vicky. It's, uh, it's a Korean, Male Korean Idol Group competition show, and it is some of the best sh- television that you could possibly watch
0: yeah get so if you want to,
1: yeah if you want to hear us talk about that also get on our patreon um it's we've had a lot of fun talking about it we get carried away literally every week and yeah the, since emily brought up the patreon i will also mention the freest way we're going completely out of order this week the freest way to support us also is to rate review or subscribe on just wherever you listen to us wherever you find the podcast uh, doing that helps other K-drama podcast listeners find us.
0: Yeah. If you want to give us a hey on our social medias, we're on Twitter at PlayOnK, though we don't usually use Twitter. You can much more easily get in touch with us on Instagram at Play on K Podcast or on TikTok at PlayOnK underscore Emily.
1: Yeah. And then we have our email, PlayOnKpodcast at gmail.com, where you can send us an email and we love to hear from you.
0: And, of course, we have our website, playonk.com, where you can find all of our past episodes. You can sign up for our newsletter, which I send out usually every other month when we start a new drama or if we have any news that's worth sharing. You can find links to our affiliates there. That's another way to support the show while getting something amazing for yourself. Like NordVPN to protect your online browsing or access K dramas, which are not licensed in your region. But don't tell them we, we told you that. We don't know if that's legal or okay. (laughs) It's fine. Um, you can go, you can find Skillshare where you can upskill your life, learn a new thing, or we have Blueberry podcast hosting, which is what we use to host our podcast and. If you're looking to start your own podcast, start it up with our Blueberry affiliate link and then tell us what you started and we'll go listen to it. We will like and subscribe and we will give you a rating and we will give you a shout out. We'll just be super excited if you start a podcast because they're super fun. Highly recommend. And that's all on our website, PlanK.com. Yeah, and I think that is just about it. I think we've done all the things.
1: So join us next week for the next two episodes of Love and Contract. K bye. Okay, bye. Bye, da, bye, bye, bye.